Hello, I'm Izzy Wald and welcome to Hot Stuff, where we discuss current hot topics that we think deserve your attention, from social issues to popular culture. We'll be keeping you up to date on relevant and unique tower-related content every Tuesday. Now, today I will be bringing you part two of my interview with Sebastian Bourget, the COO and co-founder of The Sandbox, which is a virtual world where players can build, own and monetize their gaming experiences. Now, in last week's episode, we introduced Sandbox, what it was all about and how it got started and Sebastian's own journey. Now, on this episode, we're going to chat more about the ethical and moral concerns for the gaming world moving forward like harassment in the metaverse and Sebastian's thoughts on it all. I want to touch on some of what people are skeptical about or some of the debates mm-hmm. surrounding the wider kind of like crypto mm-hmm. space. I mean I did mention how the the values of cryptocurrency NFTs is up and down and it's also debated on how actually valuable they are. If you are slightly worried about that, why should people still engage with the sandbox? Well, I think the other way around, like no matter the value and the fluctuation of cryptocurrencies or even general, like the world economy, inflation, stock market, etc., engagement on sandbox has grown. Like number of users has grown to 5 million. That's a 20% year on year increase in 2023. Time spent has, has increased to 62 minutes on average on a daily basis. The number of creators, 130,000 active creators uh, since the beginning of the year. That's an exciting number. So people are still building. They are using the tool uh, to produce content. Like there is a, not a lack of brand, not a lack of users, not a lack of content creators to build and participate in the journey. I think at the end of the day, when you're passionate about something, you don't look every day at how the money or the cryptocurrency is fluctuating or the value of the asset is fluctuating. You're just into the space. You're committed to be part of the community. You're building your experience, your game. You're launching your content. You don't wonder like what's the value today of a cent token or the US dollar or the Taiwan dollar versus the US dollar to decide like should I keep on going great today or stop tomorrow things like that you're just into it and i think that's what we are seeing like users are being driven by passion Mm -hmm. they understand they discover those new skills they see like the product are improving so they can make new things all the time and they see the incentive and rewards for participating so in a way they are participating in a platform that gives them back 95% of the value they generate, which is always even better than anywhere else. And that's why a brand like Sandbox resonates a lot. So you tell people not to worry too much and kind of just stay along for the whole experience. Well, the- that's what we build. And at the end of the day, even ourselves, we don't look uh, at the price on a daily basis. We don't communicate about it. Like, we, we are first and foremost like a user-generated content platform and we focus on the users and the creators first. And then the Sandbox own cryptocurrency is Sand, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Ethereum-based utility token. So when the transactions take place, it's a mining, pro- a mining process occurs, which does have a high energy expenditure. So it's kind of become a bit of a debate that it's an environmental concern for many. So I was interested in whether this issue concerns you and what the Sandbox is doing to kind of in terms of environmental protection efforts. There was an issue two years ago 
like back then, like Ethereum was running on layer one. It's like a blockchain that used proof of work. Proof of work requires intense computation and that computation requires energy. Back then, things have evolved quite fast. So Sandbox has moved entirely to Polygon, a second a layer two, which is proof of stake. So without too com much complexity in proof of stake, there is no more consumption of energy to decide who is the winner of a transaction. It then like minting a token, creating a token on a blockchain or making a payment transaction doesn't cost more energy than sending an email, for example. So it became really, really reduced in terms of energy. Second thing is like the overall Ethereum ecosystem has also evolved to prove that most of the energy sources that are being used are renewable energy. Like they come from hydraulic power, from other sources that are more green and hence doesn't have um, any more like an impact on the environment. If you compare that to AI, today it's maybe uh, the, the new hot energy consumer that with computation power it requires. But overall, like I believe it's really been doing a great progress into mm -hmm. recognizing a problem and providing the solution to that problem. Did I see something about how you can kind of plant trees? So that's, uh, well, that's uh, something more that we've done. Indeed, like we, for the past two years, every time we, we took all the transaction on chain that happened, we calculated the uh, consumption of energy thanks to certain partners and we've donated to charities like WeForest to actually not just plant trees, actually like uh, reviving forest, regrowing forest doesn't require just like uh, planting new trees everywhere. It requires like good management of like an ecosystem, uh, cleaning up sometimes and so on. And that's like specialized NGOs and charities have been doing on the ground. And we're proud to have planted, I think over 165,000 trees around the world uh, and uh, in various pro uh, forests in Amazonia, in Madagascar for the mangrove and so on. And all of that is public and can be seen on the We Forest Association page and a few others as well. Nice to hear. <laughs> now on to kind of widely this concept of the virtual world, a transfer of everything that mm -hmm. we have in the real world into a virtual world. Some may think this isn't necessarily a positive thing. Do you think humans can genuinely make the same kind of connections and forge relationships as they can in virtual worlds as to those in real life? I do think so, actually, yes. Um, we, we're already seeing that most of the kids that are born with Gen Z, they are like what we say... Um, digital native. They are born with the technology, they use smartphone and tablets since their youngest age. For them, like touching a screen is very intuitive. And buying virtual content, like uh, virtual clothes, virtual currency, etc., is actually more valuable than buying physical goods. That's why all the brands as well start to, to care because they are caring like if their next generation of consumer don't buy physical goods the same way as we do, at my generation, like, like how do they stay relevant to those audiences? More than half of the kids at Christmas in the US will ask for Roblox gift card to buy content on Roblox rather than physical presents. And actually, it's more environmental friendly, by the way, <laughs> to have <laughs> virtual goods. They understand the value because they spend more time into those digital worlds themselves that sometimes they do in a physical world. They make friendship, they play together, they share emotion and memories, they chat. You know, there's a lot of studies that prove that interacting in virtual world is more 
it's more accessible because like people who are more introvert tend then to have more facility to express themselves, to feel less shy and to let their own. We also seen studies and more than 57% of people who, dis who can choose their identity online in those virtual actually prefer their virtual avatar to their physical self. So we're just born with our physical self. We don't have the choice in which country, <laughs> yeah, that which education. Me. <laughs> And think about how things are evolved. Like I think mentalities will keep evolving. Like it used to be taboo, you know, like uh, almost a forbidden secret to to use uh, Match.com, Meeting.com, or Tinder to date new people. Now we've seen many great relationships, weddings, families born thanks to those applications. And like nobody is hiding that yes, I am on Meeting, I am on this dating app, etc., to meet new people outside of my regular circle, which is like school, work, uh, and sure. that's it. We already had wedding thanks to virtual world, to MMOs, and even in sandbox. A wedding so, in the sandbox? Absolutely. I think there's been two <laughs> or three. Uh, people oh. found job thanks to sandbox and their avatars. We had a wedding with a couple from Singapore as well. Did they so, meet on the sandbox or they just they, held that wedding? They held the wedding on sandbox. They okay. didn't meet yet. But I know some members <laughs> from our team, they actually met their spouse or wife by playing MMORPG and completing quests together. In virtual world, you have four kinds of profile, like the explorer, the achiever, the socializer, and people who really try to complete every single quest. And, and I think like it's a little bit a replica of the uh, real world, but the, the adventure that we live in those worlds, the quest we complete, the challenge we have, like fighting together all against a big boss, like wrestling against each other, it provides adrenaline, it provides memories. It, give, it puts us out of the ordinary. Sure. And at the end of the day, like, like who cares? Or why does it matter like how we met? It's important yeah, no, that we made that Yeah, and I don't right? think people would mm -hmm. mind. I don't, I don't think yes. there's that judgment. I'm more interested in how it could potentially affect how we like socialize, like our social skills. Say in a kind of extreme version, mm -hmm. we could do anything without having face-to-face -face interaction. Even after the pandemic, for example, mm -hmm. people kind of sometimes struggled with like, oh, like, you know, seeing so many people again. Does that worry you? The how that could kind of the detrimental impact it could have on people's like socializing skills? No, I think like the two uh, physical world and virtual world will coexist and there's mm -hmm. this extension this new possibilities thanks to the tool and the technology that allows us to connect differently or to express ourselves to feel some like introverts will gain in confidence in virtual world whereas they would feel more shy uh, in the physical world and less tempted to engage uh, with other people in conversation etc or they will restrain themselves by fear of like, what would people think if I ask the wrong question, if I feel look stupid, etc. Well, mm. in, in virtual world, that's not the case. And that, that leads to like both positive and negative case. Like why people are talking about virtual harassment as well. Like why mm. do we feel like if two avatars in virtual world are too close to each other, they are actually like, it's almost aggressive, like it's entering the comfort zone of a person when, and it still is two virtual characters. It's not not doing anything bad, but yet that shows. I think a lot of philosophical and psychological studies show like now we associate our digital identity to that virtual character. That representation is an extension of ourselves, and it's important we feel comfortable and safe with that character. So virtual harassment, is that something that people report on the sandbox? Not on sandbox at the moment. Uh, we have in place certain technology and moderation to 
technologies that ensure that conversations are more safe, are not mm. toxic, using AI, actually. But we know it's a general problem in the industry and it will keep growing. So we have to be prepared, put in place the tools and the people and team to to monitor it and make sure like we provide a safe experience. I guess it's also when we think of just like this, like social media as well, there has been a rise in kind of like people like hate speech, whatever, because you are hidden behind a screen. People sometimes feel that they can then come out with things that they wouldn't say if we were face to face. What about that kind of aspect of it? Does that worry you? I think it's, it's unfortunately happening as well. Like the fact that because people don't see me means like my act, my action can be mean, can be bad, etc., will remain unpunished. Mm. I think that's where it becomes wrong. Like mm. actually, if you educate first, like there are real people behind, then there is also a way of like self-policing on the platforms that like the community itself can report bad behaviors and etc. It will lead to other more safety and better overall user experience no matter like if you are an avatar or, or people don't see the physical self yes. behind. What does then an ideal society look like for you in the metaverse? Well, it's quite interesting to see how virtual worlds that exist for 20 to 30 years old have become, uh, have self-organized themselves with governance, political system, people voting to elect their own representative. They have like councils meetings, they decide like which quest they should be doing, which action they Sometimes they also help, they have their own police and so on. Mm. So in a way, I definitely see that virtual world will evolve to our like virtual societies, self-govern eventually. And that's quite aligned with the idea of like web free, community driven and where because you own your data, you can like really exercise a form of voting power through the ownership of that data, whether it's your sand token, your land, your avatar, your experience you accumulated to express whether like the direction of the platform, its roadmap, what are some of the decisions that the developer has made, or the, the community I experience you're part of are actually evolving. So I'll be interested to <laughs> see how it all kind of develops. It is, it is fascinating for sure. And then we are here in Taiwan. You are here for the Sandbox yes. Creator Meetup that's part of Taipei's Blockchain Week. Now, how significant is the Sandbox community in Taiwan? Well, I think it, the community is starting to grow. Uh, I've been here recently, uh, this month, two times already. And I literally... Uh, walking into a beef noodle restaurant that's uh, 10 square meter big. Uh, one artist recognized me and said, no oh, I'm the creator in Sandbox. I've been creating for two years and so on. So because we didn't have an official presence here, like I felt like tonight is going to be a great moment to bring together some of those mm. creators that are scattered around Taiwan to get a feeling of that community. And then from there to start uh, like grow it more, organize more workshops, more meetups, and, and uh, hopefully bring also more Taiwan brands, studios to launch experiences. Mm. We already uh, have three old studios here, three or four studios, Pengu, uh, Lutex, uh, which I was just visiting before. Uh, we also have uh, ICANN Entertainment, which is one of the largest game developers from Taiwan, Softstar, uh, and I was meeting TWCC, 
or TCCW, sorry, which uh, also have been building experience. We have the National Palace uh, Museum that's nice. present. Okay. That's launching experience cool. too. So yeah, but we yeah. definitely have nice. some uh, did and bid of presents already, mm -hmm. quite naturally. And, and Taiwan is a very creator-friendly market. Like the video game industry is strong, the Japanese anime culture is strong, and there's a lot of like 3D artists, animators. Right, because I was actually uh, wanting to ask you if there's anything that you have observed that's different about gaming culture in Taiwan compared to elsewhere in the world. Uh, I'm just, well, after I meet more and more of the creator, I can sure have a definite opinion on that. But so far, I've been really impressed by like the... The pool of talent, the pool of artists, the existing gaming industry uh, on in the region. The fact as well that there is a very, very good engineering in general. Like Taiwan has created a very good reputation for engineering talent, people who go either in software or hardware development. And uh, those are also being very involved into blockchain and web-free development, which require like smart contract developers, etc. Right? Mm. So... In a way, Taiwan has forged itself a good place within the overall web free ecosystem. It's a provider of like uh, software uh, talent, uh, developers, and so on. And we want to also showcase like more of the creative talents uh, mm. thanks to uh, Sandbox. Yeah. Well, I'm excited for you to link up with them all at the meetup later. What can users expect from the Sandbox over the next few years? We just announced a month ago our roadmap. So we opened publishing to everyone. We are opening the marketplace by uh, end of this week for all creators to start creating and minting their asset. We have a new game maker that launched, uh, which introduced a lot of exciting, fun feature for creating multiplayer games, whether puzzle, parkour game, fighting game, etc. Um, we're coming to mobile by end of next year. And we have a new creator fund that will support the creator who publish their experience or drive more users to the platform. So that's all for 2024. In 2025, we consider that the platform will be fully launched, no more in the beta mode, but like the 1.0 is live and we'll start accelerating that growth. And afterwards, I'm sure like as technology evolves, like the possibilities of our game maker will keep evolving, making even better and more fun games or, or all sorts of uh, experiences. More multiplayer interaction, again, like it's so important, like with your avatar, you can express yourself, you can chat with others, you can you know, dance together, <laughs> like uh, uh, follow more your weddings friends, to come. more weddings, <laughs> etc. So uh, that's something we'll uh, focus more and more. Lots to look forward to. Yes. My last question for you, um, for someone who may feel that the metaverse, the sandbox is like totally overwhelming, where would you recommend that they start? I like to start like just uh, create an avatar, create your avatar, uh, that character, customize it if you want and just start exploring uh, overall. You, you will see like how actually simple those experiences can be how diverse they can be as well and from there from one to another like you start being inspired and maybe you say oh i can do this i can do that maybe i can do i have said that idea that mm. how, how about i try it myself brilliant well thank you so much for your time sebastian it's been a pleasure to speak <laughs> with you and enjoy the rest of your time in taipei thank you so much Thank you for listening to Hot Stuff. I'm your host, Izzy Wells, and I will see you all next week. Bye.